Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. The cyclist creates everything from almost nothing, becoming the most energy efficient of all animals and machines, and as such, has a genuine ability to challenge the entire value system of a society. The bicycle may be too cheap, too available, too healthy, too independent and too equitable for its own good. In an age of excess, it is minimal and has the subversive potential to make people happy. In an economy fuelled by consumer. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. And has a subversive potential to make people happy in an economy fuelled by consumer discontent. Pedal your blues away. Forget all your troubles away. Hop on your bike anytime. Spring starts to intensify here in Melbourne. The leaves are popping out on the elm trees. There's a little bit of heat in the sun nowadays. You're listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR. Faith, you've got to stop making me laugh. <laughs> Sorry, Val. That's all right. You're either listening on the tranny in the kitchen, you're podcasting somewhere far away. It's a lovely day here in Melbourne. And we've got a big show coming up. We're going to have a little bit of an excursion into the far north, the land of Grieg and Ibsen, darkness and then light. Good morning, Belinda. <laughs> Good morning. Belinda's back from a wonderful tour of the Ford land and she'll be telling us all about it. Joining us on the as well. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. Ah, beautiful out there, isn't it? It is beautiful. Bit of a shock, all this warm weather. After uh, such a short spring, <laughs> a and, week of spring, uh, a year of ill, ill, ill Nino. Sorry, <laughs> completely at odds and ends today. We should start actually with the bike moment, Faith. I know you store these up. Ah, <laughs> uh, this uh, it was one of those small bike moments, but um, we rode down to Warburton with friends on the weekend and decided to ride back on Sunday. Um, early so that we would not, riding back west, have the sun 
on our faces. So uh, left Warburton Bakery where we'd stopped for, we got there about 8 o'clock for breakfast and just had that nice glow in the sun but um, still some cool air. It hadn't gotten too hot and set off under the trees with this beautiful early morning light coming down through the trees. Sounds like a Tom Roberts painting. (laughs) Cyclist in the gum trees. Cyclist with a (laughs) ham and cheese croissant in the gum trees. Of course, and a basket at the front. (laughs) Allure, allure. Belinda, a bike moment to share with us. Yeah, well, um, the one that occurs to me from uh, Norway, at least, I have another one stored up as well. It popped into my mind. But it was uh, riding up to the snow line as it happened because there, this year there had been 25% more snow in Norway than other years. And riding up to the, um, the uh, point where I could look down over the Hardanger Fjord, um, which was just glistening below, sparkling blue, and you could see... Um, the road sneaking down, and I was thinking to myself, "Woohoo! I'm going down there." <laughs> <laughs> nice moment. Yeah. Yes. The other one, if I could say, was when I was riding around the uh, archipelago in Finland, also northern Europe, um, and they had these signs along the side of the road, um, and so you ca- caught ferries very often. And the sign on the side of the road has sort of a right angle with a car um, falling off the edge of it and the um, etching of water and the below. And I was coming down full pelt to catch this ferry and I could see the man with the boom gate just lowering it. He, I would have been hard to stop. He actually saw me, thankfully, and lifted the boom gate and I <laughs> rode whoosh, oh, straight onto the ferry. <laughs> And you were first off to them. <laughs> <laughs> warming up those cards. Uh, I've had a couple of, of delightful little bike moments, or witnessed a lovely little bike moment, two of them last week. Balance bikes have become very popular for anybody that, a young child from two till four, I suppose. And great way to learn how to ride a bike. Gives you that feeling of what it's like to actually scoot along without having to worry about pedaling and staying upright. Anyway, so the young two and a half year old in the shop, and we've ridden a couple of them and we've lowered one for him, and he's quite taken by this bike. He's got hold of it. And anyway, so we offer whether you want to take the box home and build it yourself or do you want that? And the father looks at the child and he says, oh, I think we'll be taking this one. <laughs> anyway, fast forward a minute and a half, going out to the car, put the bike in the back of the car, major dummy spin. <laughs> Two-year-old lying on the ground, the bicycle clamped between his legs. That quote of Cut Charlton Heston's, you know, comes to mind. You'll have to prize my dead, cold hands <laughs> off my bicycle for taking off me. Oh, God, it was Bikes hilarious. Meant to he be was, ridden, not put in the back of the car. He was not going to let it go. There was no way none that was going to take it. Anybody was going to take it off him. It was wonderful. The other funny moment, I'm sorry, this keeps to little kids, riding through Edinburgh Gardens, which we were joking at before, which looks perfect at the moment the only thing that we're waiting for is a jack around us later but um 
a five or six year old coming towards me down that middle path. I'm not sure what happened because I must have taken my eye off him. Next minute he's on the ground. And that instant moment when you hit the ground and the child doesn't know what's happened and there's that split second before the, the scream start <laughs> and then realising, shit, I'm not, I'm not too hurt at all. As I rode past him, I whispered to him, just ride quicker. You'll be right. <laughs> nice. He looked at me like I was stuck raving mad. <laughs> uh, bike moments. News. Bit of news. I'll do a bit of athletics first if you mm-hmm. want. And we'll split this yeah. up. Um, Vincento uh, Nibley won the uh, the last of the classics uh, in the... Italy called the uh, Il Lombardia, which is usually referred to as the race of the falling leaves because it comes late in the season. I think it's the last classic. And if anybody was watching, Peter Sagan won the um, World Road Race Championship, yes. which was good to see. Rode it, uh, won it very well too, very powerfully. Faith? And on a, a sadder note, we've had a couple of uh, accidents here in Melbourne over the weekend, uh, two of them involving cyclists hit by cars who didn't stop. Um, and both of those uh, cyclists are still in hospital with you know, injuries that, you know, may turn out, they're still waiting to find out exactly the extent of their injuries. Um, and uh, obviously police investigating those and trying to the drive the car involved in one accident has been found burnt out, I believe. It's suspected to be that car. Um, so, yeah, that's a sad aspect of uh, riding and the interactions we sometimes get on the roads. Um, Channel 7 News actually did some quite um, good reporting on these compared to some of the ways accidents are reported between motorists and uh, riders. So that was one good thing to come out of it. And uh, hopefully the drivers from both those incidents will come forward. I think the thing is that, you know, when you get a driver's licence, you're supposed to be an adult to have one. And, uh, you know, (laughs) you make... A terrible mistake. You 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 don't run away. You behave like an adult. Oh, yes. Run away you quickly. Know. Yep. Come with you. <laughs> so t- yeah, sad to yep. hear that those uh, things happened over the weekend. Yeah. And and our thoughts to those two cyclists, Stacey and Connor. May you recover. Yep. Yep. Um, on that same light, I'm not sure if you've ridden up and down Sydney Road in the last two weeks or so. Um, and, of course, the other door incident that happened on Sydney Road claimed another fatality. Moreland Council seems to be... can't decide what to do. I don't think they can, or I'm not sure what they're doing. Nothing appears there. They repainted some of the bike lanes on Sydney mm. Road, especially if you're heading north. Uh, those green bike lanes are about 18 inches wide, virtually in the gutter. Now they've put stencils in the half lane next to the cars, encouraging cyclists to look for opening doors. So that it's now our job to keep an eye out, which mm. we already do keep an eye out for opening doors. It seems yeah. to be a little bit of a shift in... I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, it's... And, and I, you know, I think Moreland Council have, have been quite keen to do something about Sydney Road but it's it's a Vic Rhodes road they can't do yeah. anything to it um, Vic Rhodes have to be the ones who make that decision 
and uh, those lovely little bike lanes in the gutter are Vic Roads bike lanes. They're uh, um, conform to their standard. So you know, it's a really tricky one. Um, uh, Sydney Road for the traffic lanes it has the trams and everything else is narrower than the norm for the amount of traffic it's carrying uh, and yeah there has to be a decision made about what the the purpose of that road is going to be let's hope the sheer weight of numbers start to sway some people's thinking we're going to be back after this quick break Promote your community event, be it a rally, meeting, fundraising gig, call-out for entries or piece of agiprop on 3CR's online community calendar. Not-for-profit community organisations and activist artists are invited to upload community event information and event poster or photos. Go to 3cr.org.au and click on Add Your Community Event Here on the right-hand column under Community Events. 3CR. Spreading the seeds of dissent. And you're back listening to the Arabug Radio Show here on 3CR, podcasting, streaming, listening to it in the kitchen. Have you ever thought, where should I go for a bicycle tour? Where should I go where the days are much longer than I'm used to, where the scenery's a lot different from wherever I've been before? Why not go to the land of the Viking, the land of the redheads, (laughs) (laughs) the centre of Neolithic culture, the start of... Well, we're very close to actually... I'm not going to go here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Belinda, too much of an intro. I've got to know, first off, why Norway? Stunning place. Well, yeah, stunning place. I had been there in 2007 and flown up to Kirkenes, um, right up in the Arctic Circle, and taken the um, coastal postal boat all the way down. Um, And you only want to do that one way, by the way. Um, and um, I was uh, intrigued by the amount of water and the uh, amazing houses and wondered while I was there what it was like being in the all-night dark. And um, it would be a dream to go back in the all-night light. Not quite, because I wasn't that far north, but I went flew into Bergen. And um, you, you could tell, I got there on a Friday night, and you could tell it was the end of um, the long winter. Basically, um, everybody was out drinking enormous quantities of whatever, having very loud conversations and walking around looking tall and magnificent. (laughs) Um, And I thought um, that this might be a wonderful place to to go cycling. And so I had um, uh, conversations, uh, written conversation emails with um, a woman in Norway who um, does arrange um, accommodation. for people like myself, but she didn't seem to like that I'd be going self-guided on my own, so to speak. So while I was keen and keener, the more the keener I got, the more sort of backstepping she got. And she kept telling me, well, a lot of people don't come to Norway at this time of year, June, because it's so cold. They go further south. Wouldn't you rather do that? In <laughs> <laughs> which case I said uh, no, and it only uh, made me feel more determined 
to go to Norway and um, and and see what that was like. And it was fairly bleak weather, but it was um, um, totally amazing in this in the uh, amount of space. And of course, you didn't need any lights to ride at night. <laughs> lighter, lighter touring. Lighter touring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can we get the specifics out of the way? Two weeks, one week. Um, it worked. It worked out. My time was limited. I had to fit it in um, before going to France, where I ended up later. This sounds terrible. Life, doesn't it? <laughs> um, uh, about ten days um, cycling, I guess. Um, something between um, fifty to seventy uh, kilometers a day, with um, ferry rides often to to get because uh, this is the only access really. Unless you want to go all the way back the way you came, mm. um, and that was that was kind of fun too, traveling. And there was no one; the roads were super smooth. The drivers, if there were any, were incredibly courteous. The the, um, the speed limit is fifty k only for drivers, which is fantastic confidence boost. Yeah, really good. And um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, like it's. Did you ride all through the day? Like you had the longer daylight hours. What's that light like in the early morning? Because I know some places where they have a longer day, um, it's a very different sort of light. Were you up early riding in that light or late at night? No. (laughs) (laughs) During the day was enough. (laughs) A lot of up and down, as you would know, around water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Linda, you're a, cli- you're a climber or a descender? Um, well, I love both, uh, actually. I don't like the flat. I find that quite boring. Uh, um, yeah, and the uh, yeah the going up is, is often yeah, grueling, um, but getting to the top, the reward is there immediately. You can stand there if you've got the time and just uh, enjoy the prospect of flying yeah. down. Yes. Leave gravity behind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And did you uh, get talking to a lot of locals as you were riding? I was saw it a sociable tour. No one. No one. I saw no one. There were there was maybe one or two cars uh-huh. uh, traveling fifty k, um, but I saw no one except at the hotels where yep. where I uh, stayed. Um, so um, and in one of the hotels um, there were um, groups. There's uh, the cruise liners come into the fjord because they're really deep. And the, this one that I encountered was a full of um, people from the U.S. Um, who were extraordinary in the hotel. And then there were also 10 groups of Chinese people who were also extraordinary. So the two groups were amazing. And as an individual on your own, you kind of disappear. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. interested in you, yeah. which is fine. <laughs> what keeps you going on those long roads? Yeah, I've been interested in that in that um, aspects of action, if you like. Um, how do you how do you uh, find strength of mind? Do you know if you have stamina or endurance um, before you do any of this, or is it through, like Faith was saying earlier, you know, conversation um, before this uh, radio show? Um, is it through experience that you learn these things? I'm I'm really interested because I think people would be interested to know about that and having more of a conversation about it. So what keeps me going? Um, personally, um, I sing sometimes if it's really hard, and fortunately no one's around. So that's good. 
Um, and um, I think uh, big thoughts. Yeah. Um, actually, when I'm trekking, I don't think big thoughts. I just think of just the next one foot in front of the other. Yeah. But cycling somehow is different because you feel more the speed, maybe, except going uphill. Um, yeah. So I wonder about my life and the life of other people's. So I reflect on um, how easy it is for us who are not refugees to um, uh, travel around and be known at check-in at uh, planes and hotels. And it seems like that's a privilege for us. And so I think about those sort of things. Yeah. What keeps me going? I bet there's a bit of thinking to do on that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you the low light of the ride? If there um, was one, um, let me think. Um, well, I didn't. Yeah, um, I can retract that question if you want. Well, let me think about it, and maybe I can come back to it. Yeah. The most scenic spot. Well, everywhere is so beautiful. Um, it was. It changed um, in the sense that when the sun was out, everything looks like the postcards that you see of Norway with the amazingly brightly coloured houses and tense green hillsides and so on. And then when the sky is clouded, which was was mostly and um, menacing, if you like, it changes it completely and the light is completely different. Um, and you see much more nuance, I think, uh, both in the water and the, um, and the hillside. Um, yeah, I, I love the way the hillside comes up abruptly, and you see this in New Zealand as well, from the water and goes straight up, um, obviously as a result of having been carved out by the glacier years ago. Yeah. And um, you had, because you had accommodation, you weren't having to carry tents and cooking uh, things. So in terms of touring, you you had meals every evening and morning. Were you taking lunch with you or were you finding places? Yes, I didn't. There was no luggage transfer on my trip, so I carried all my clothes and everything I needed. But correct, I chose not to camp or take cooking gear. Um, and the, it's such a tradition in Norway, as I discovered later uh, when I met some people who said as they were packing their lunch from the breakfast buffet, um, <laughs> This is a tradition in Norway, and I have done this since I was a kid of five years old. I packed my lunch in the morning, and I have some bread and some cheese and some a bit of jam and a few other things that I put together. And it was just really interesting to hear that. Uh, it's... Um we're going to veer off bicycling a bit. Norway's become a little bit of uh, in education, in their sovereign wealth fund. They've divested of all their fossil fuel investments. Uh, Norway's future fund, which is not future fund, sovereign wealth fund. Education, they nearly lead the world. They're one of the third or sixth highest, wealthiest per capita countries in the world. Free health system, robust education system. Do you see that from going to Norway? Well, you feel, um, particularly in Bergen, uh, the, the joyousness, I wasn't sure that it was related to summer or just that it is a privileged country. And it seemed, it seemed to me very privileged. And something about that, or maybe it's the Norwegian language, I'm not sure. But there's a, in, um, people talk to each other very loudly 
And it's not, <laughs> it's not ha- it doesn't happen in Australia. And I was amazed at that. I mean, and joyous, joyously. Uh, and you get caught up in it. It's a happy place. But then when I was talking with other people around, um, they say that um, the, since the money has gone out of the oil market, Norway's not such a happy place anymore. And it's really struggling. So that was news to me. Uh, maybe if you're inside the bubble, it looks like a struggle. Outside, we still think yeah. it's um, yeah, mm. it's an innovative place. It's all uh, relative, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it is. Belinda, I've got to ask you one more question. Ah. Way back in time, there must be a first bike memory sitting there somewhere. Um, well, the r- riding around the Finnish archipelago was the first... No, no, when you were five or oh, six. Oh, when I was five. Yeah. <laughs> oh. When you crashed that BMX coming down the hill. <laughs> Actually, and this is, this, I'm always fascinated with this question. Do you remember the first time that you rode without any support on your bike? And I do. It was amazing. I think I was about eight and I just got on it and rode. And it was just the freedom was amazing. Loved it. And then put it aside for a while, and now I've got back to it. Uh, still lived in that memory, though. Yes, it, was still it did. There. I bet you when you got back on, it was as good as gold. Yes. And if you like riding a bike and getting out and meeting people, we've got a few events for you. Sorry, Belinda, I should have cut that. Thank you very much for coming in. It was a great show. Um, That's good. Where's the next trip? Um, I'll go cycling on the Tableland in northeast New South Wales. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's current. Yeah, always another plan. Well, these are are not quite so epic, um, but if you are looking for something to do over the next few weeks in and around Melbourne, uh, coming up on October the fourteenth, obviously is Ride to Work Day, and there will be the usual. Celebrations and breakfast set up by different groups so that you can uh, make a picnic of it on your way to work or do, as some people have in the past, the Grand Tour. Try and visit as many as you can. That's Eat always... as many free muffins and bananas <laughs> as you can possibly fit in. Um, and on October the 24th is the Squeaky Wheel are bringing back their design rides in spring and the first of those will be on the 24th with tax consultants um, exploring botanical landscapes in and around Melbourne. Now, uh, Port Phillip Bug are running a two-day ride, the Little Dale Warburton Trail. That's happening on the October the 17th and the 18th. Um, go to the Port Phillip Bug uh, website for more details. I presume that's a stay overnight. Um, get hold of Port Phillip Bug or go to the ever-reliable Bike Fund calendar. And also on October the 14th, same day as Right to Work Day, is the second of the Hump Day Pump Day sessions at Essendon Fields where Bike Bull are bringing down their pump track uh, and you can uh, either go along and watch people do it or Take your bike and uh, have a go yourself. You've got to remind me what a pump track again. I can't get this through my head. I can't describe it in words, but... There you go. <laughs> You're a competitive cyclist, Belinda, ever? Cyclocross no, or anything? No, no, Too no. much com- competition with M- him. Maybe when I'm older. Done. <laughs> maybe when I'm ripe, ready for <laughs> And I'll just slip in the last of the events is the More Art Festival launch ride. The More Art Festival is on every year and each year the Squeaky Wheel runs a series of bike rides so you can explore all the art installations along the upfield bike track and throughout Coburg and Moreland. Um, The launch ride is on October the 25th and the details for that and the design ride are both up at thesqueakywheel.com.au. 
And that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much to Belinda for coming in and being our guest. Thank you for having me. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. All the announcers on uh, the Yarrabug Radio Show are volunteers. And if you'd like to make a donation or subscribe to the station, you can do so at 3cr.org.au. Coming up next is... Dirt Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.